emergency give them hell episode, Jeff. This was very much needed. Do you think this was a pack a coordinated Pac-12 media hit job? Well, you look at I don't want to the... go full Wyanon here, you know, with the conspiracy <laughs> theories related to BYU, which I am dubbing Wyanon forever. <laughs> I think that's great. Uh, I do. I mean, I'm, I'm going to get my tinfoil hat on here for a minute. And you look at the the writers who are the most vocal about this. Okay, let's let's ignore Stuart Mandel because Stuart Mandel, I like Mandel a lot, and he likes to troll. But even he conceded at the end of it, like, okay, I'm done. Like, let's move on. He never really cared. But you look at the the writers who have like this real angst right now. It's John Wilner, who, man, I feel like we've talked about John Wilner for the last three weeks. He's basically on the Pac-12 payroll. Yeah, he sucks, man. He sucks. Next game, I want Zach Wilson to wear a headband whenever this next game is that just says Wilner cold line. Or something like that. <laughs> uh, there's so many things. We we have an agenda, folks, but like this is an emergency podcast. And so we we kind of went out of our way to not give ourselves the normal agenda that we have. So this might be even more chaotic than normal. But I like how Zach's headband is somehow the statement of what everything BYU should be doing as if Jim McMahon didn't write random crap on his headband for years that BYU ignored. Like there is a very clear precedent. And that some headbands... student employee tweeted out a picture of it. <laughs> right. Well, if we only had an SID, if they were running the account, this never would have happened. No, I just think it's funny. Like Zach is the quarterback of the team. Like, yes, he's the face of the team, but Zach has never once signed a contract. Let me tell you a story. So on my mission, I was a missionary. Go figure. And I that was usually called, happens when you are right? on a mission. So I was called to serve in this new area. We were the first missionaries who had ever been in this area. And so for the first, I don't know, two or three weeks, we were living inside of the church, which was really just some little tiny house. And we needed to find a church and we needed to find a house. Like those were the instructions that I was given. And like before we even found investigators, anything like that, like, Jeff, you need to find somewhere that these people can meet. Okay, great. And Jeff, you need to find somewhere that, the, that you guys can live because right now, like we didn't have a shower. We didn't have anything. And so that was what I was told. Jeff, go, go find it. So I went, I met with a realtor, toured a bunch of homes in Majanga, Madagascar. Toured a bunch of homes, uh, found one that was going to work. It was within the budget. And I went ahead and signed the lease. And I signed the lease. I moved in. And it wasn't until my mission president called me to say, hey, uh, where's the update on the house? And I said, well, Brez, we already moved in. What do you mean you moved in? Well, we moved in. Well, how'd you get in? Who signed the contracts? I signed them. You told me to get it done. No, 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 no. It's like, that's not how this works. You've got to go to South Africa. We've got to get like the area presidency to sign off on this. Who's you signed a contract? I signed a contract and I moved in. This is, this is kind of like that situation. I may have been the face of the Mormon church at the time. Like I was the missionary but I in no way had the authority to actually sign the contract that I went ahead and signed anyways. Zach Wilson might be the face of the BYU football program, 
but he doesn't speak for Tom Homo. He doesn't speak for the administration. We're talking about a quarterback and a student intern that has created this spark that has sent the entire college football national landscape into a frenzy about BYU. Now, back to your original question, do I think this is some sort of coordinated hit job? Given the people who are the most upset, I wouldn't be that surprised. Like Ralph Russo, national guy, respected by everybody, neutral. You know, Pete Thamel, neutral. Like all of these people that actually have insight are neutral. Kyle Bunagura, he got kind of like he was the first one to tweet things out. He really didn't go crazy with it. He just tweeted out the scoop. He didn't, you know, share yeah, too and, many opinions. Feldman also kind of mentioned about like BYU resisting or whatever, but yeah. again, pretty, pretty neutral. But then once people talked about it more and were like, yes, but also everyone in their dog knows that Utah and Washington are going to play next weekend because ASU is not going to be able to play. Right. So uh, it's Herm like, Edwards, he, man, he's got the, he's got the vid. Right. So he's just like, everyone was like, okay, yeah, this is kind of ridiculous, especially when you factor in BYU has to pay for their travel expenses. And you'd be talking about it, get it getting canceled the day you're going to go out for traveling hotels already paid for flights already chartered, all that stuff. And they're not getting any money from UW, so it's not a buy game. Probably UW probably didn't want to give a return game to Provo to at least balance it out somewhat. And all they're saying is, I mean, the only resistance from the BYU side of things is, okay, give us a guaranteed game that we won't get bumped when there's another inevitable Pac-12 cancellation, right? Like, and once that kind of came out, all of the national people, except for John Wilner, who kept doubling and tripling down on it, were against it. Either said... BYU's right or whatever. We have breaking news. Sort of breaking. Who is this guy? Lee Hacksaw Hamilton, sports anchor, CW6 San Diego. Aztecs and BYU both confirm. I don't know where BYU confirmed this. Both confirm some talks about moving San Diego State at BYU game up two weeks to play this week in Provo would open a slot for San Diego State to put the Mountain West Conference game versus Fresno, possibly back on the schedule for the last week of the regular season. I mean, that's something. To be fair, also to toot my own horn a little bit, I, I, I mentioned this same exact thing yesterday. Even though, so players are at home. Some players are already at home because Kalani told the team, hey, there's nothing scheduled next weekend. Go, you know, there's nothing scheduled which next is, weekend. Which is a decision that we can critique. All day. Right. Which, I mean, even if there's nothing scheduled for the 28th, there's nothing scheduled for the 5th, no matter what happens this weekend, players will be back and the timeline fits to be good for San Diego State on December 12th. So that's not a problem, right? And um, But, I mean, even as we said yesterday, uh, or even I said, I said it, you know, if we're talking about BYU playing next weekend, wanting to add more games, San Diego State and Fresno canceled. It would make more sense to pull that up and then give yourself room you did against things. That. And that also, the flip side of that is, so I know okay, that the, well, the Pac-12 has obviously done their whole thing with, um, with non-conference games, whatever. And it's like, I know the SEC said no non-conference games. The ACC only said one non-conference game. The Big Ten said no non-conference games. The Big 12 only said one non-conference game. If it's December 12th, and it's your last scheduled game of the season, or that gets canceled, the Big 12 isn't going to care if they schedule another game. Or same thing for December 19th, 
right? When there's all those championship games, if the SEC can get more inventory to get more people watching SEC games, as opposed to just the one single championship game that's scheduled that weekend, do you think that the SEC is going to say, oh, okay, we got Alabama and Georgia playing again in the SEC championship game. Florida, you can't play BYU, sorry, earlier in the day. No, the SEC will want that inventory, and they don't care because it's not going to screw up their conference season and take away the flexibility and any of that thing. So it's, I think we are definitely – I think BYU is going to be playing on December 19th, and I would not be surprised if it is a P5 opponent. Yep, uh, I agree. I don't know if I – I don't know if I, I'm as convinced as you are that it will be a P5 opponent, but I do think no, it will I just be said a, I would not be surprised. Okay, that's fair. <laughs> I, I would still be surprised, I think. What I would not be surprised, though, I think it will be an opponent of consequence. How about that? Like, I think it will be somebody worthwhile. Like, it's not going to be Wyoming. Maybe it is Wyoming. I kind of like the Wyoming game more than the average BYU fan does. But, but yes, I, I agree with that. The one thing that I hate, now I want to be perfectly clear about this. I do not blame Washington for the chaos that is happening. Washington reached out with the, with the restrictions that they were given to say, hey, BYU, do you want to play? I don't blame Washington for not waiving the criteria that says that uh, the, the game could be canceled on Thursday. I don't blame Washington for saying that it has to be televised on Pac-12 networks or that there would be no pay. I, that's not Washington's fault. That's the Pac-12. Like, we can blame the Pac-12 for that. Washington, it, it, it's like they were handed, you know, they, were, they, were, they, they had one hand tied behind their back and said, hey, go find a game. And so they went out and did what they could. The only thing that I blame Washington for, and I think that this is the, the match that started all of this, is that report wasn't leaked to a BY like it didn't just like stumble upon like a reporter didn't stumble upon that news that was very deliberately leaked look i'm not a media guy right you and i have talked about this we're like we, we we're like media adjacent we kind of do it as a hobby but we're not actually media people but i've done enough media things to know that especially when it comes to scheduling those things are locked down the only time you hear about scheduling is if somebody deliberately goes out of their way to tell you about scheduling, period. That's why, I mean, all of the rumors at the beginning of the season about Alabama and about things like that, that was, those were leaks that were very deliberate. That wasn't, you know, some uh, Freedom of Information Act that discovered an ongoing negotiation about a game. That's not what it was. I've submitted those FOIA requests. They don't return anything of note. And so I, I know that that was, had to be deliberately leaked, whether it be by the a PAC 12 official or whether it be by a Washington official, but somebody leaked that I would assume a Washington person leaked that to that Washington radio host that went live, Mike Norville or whatever his name was, that, that he's the one who kind of broke the story and brought this all to light. Like that is a really, really, uh, it's not dirty, but it's annoying. Like to, hey, we're not going to get what we want. Let's leak the story. Like either that is part of a why anon like conspiracy theory to, uh, to, like to to break BYU's credibility, or that is some Washington somebody 
didn't get their way, got pissed and said, hey, let's strong arm BYU and send the media after them. And once the national conversation happens, they'll have to acquiesce and play. It's one of those two scenarios. There, there isn't a third option. It's one of those two scenarios. And that uh, I'm trying not to say what I what keeps coming up, but I almost say because we really are trying to avoid that explicit label. But that's a that's a BS move, man. Yeah, it really is. And I think, I mean, on the flip side of that too, it's like yes, it's Washington. But what does playing an unranked team do for you? Like it doesn't move the needle. It's true. I, like I, it's not I, like if it was Oregon or USC. Now we're talking, but you're an unranked Washington team who beat a very bad Arizona team and played a really crappy, horrible Oregon State team a lot closer than it should have been. But there's that doesn't you know we're talking about you know last week, last couple of weeks we've been talking about like oh yeah Marshall's ranked number fifteen, but beating them does nothing for us. So then what the heck does beating an unranked Pac-12 team do for you? Right. It's right. not, it's not a game of consequence, like a meaningful, you know, jump, right? Like it doesn't do anything for us, especially I, I, not knowing where we even sit within the, you know, realm of CFP rankings, which we won't know until tomorrow night. I wrote about this, about exactly what you're describing. Um, I, I, I had a 1700 word breakdown of of kind of the, the entire situation here and, and looking at it from all the different paradigms that there are to look through. And I describing exactly this, that, that Washington isn't the Washington of old, right? Like I, I, I likened it to, you know, that's a word that we like to use in our culture. I likened it to a casino, something we don't like to use in our culture, but I equated it to you, you walk up to the roulette wheel and you see the board of the last 10 spins. And you see that the last seven spins on that roulette wheel hit red. Your natural reaction is to think, well, there's no way that eight in a row happened. You're, you're going to be inclined to bet black. That's why they put that up there so that you think in your head, hey, seven in a row, no way that it happens. Now, Garrett, you're a stats guy. You understand that, okay, the probability of eight in a row happening, right? Like that isn't likely. But after seven in a row happened, the probability that one more happens doesn't change, right? Like that is the right. same probability as it doesn't, number one. It doesn't matter. And it's team by team, right? Like whether we play San Diego State this week or the beginning of the season, it doesn't matter. You know, if so, all things are, you know, obviously it's like if Zach Wilson is hurt, that very much changes things, which is why when a starting quarterback is reportedly hurt in practice, they pull the line down and don't let people bet on it anymore because that's a substantial change in your input variables. But like, all things considered, it's like your game after like week, one week to the next, it doesn't matter. It's still, and, and, the odds are the same. And, and so I looked at it like this and I said, look, on the surface, playing Washington, the opportunity to play Washington is a lot like walking up to that roulette wheel and seeing seven in a row that have hit red. It's like, oh yeah, Washington, that would play great. That would be a great game. That would really elevate the resume. But as you start to really think about it, it's like, wait a minute. No, seven in a row have already happened. That doesn't do anything for this next spin. That doesn't make it any more likely to hit black. And it's a lot like oh, Washington. Now, wait a minute. As you start to peel back who Washington is this year, eh, that isn't Washington that's a top 10 team. This isn't uh, Jake Browning's Washington teams that are knocking on the door of the college football playoff. This is a very different Washington team. And this Washington team, they might be great. That's the other thing. They might be the best team in the Pac-12. 
but they're only going to play five games. So even if they are, are they? They're not ranked right now. They go five and oh, like what's the ceiling for them? 15th probably? <laughs> this is really hard. And if they, they go out next week, is it next week that they play Oregon? I think they play Oregon next week. If they go out and they lose to Oregon, then what, right? So Washington is a little bit of fool's gold to me. It's a great program. I don't know if they're a great team or not this year. And I know anytime, any place, anywhere, any whatever. But I just don't know what Washington brings to the table. I really don't. And so all of this is to come back and say, I don't blame BYU at all for making the decision that they did. I am a little bit the anomaly of BYU fans that I also don't blame anybody at all for making the jokes that they're making. Like the timing is impeccable from yeah. like a comedic standpoint. Zach's right? headband, like that joke wrote itself. Oh yeah. And and if you're a rival school, even if you're not a rival, just an opposing school, you have to take that, right? Like college football, so much of college football, especially this year, is perception. The perception of who you are is what makes you how good or bad you are this year. And so if you're an opponent who is competing with BYU guys this is the price of relevancy in December if you're competing with BYU for a potential New Year's New Year's six spot then this is it this is what you got to deal with you got to deal with some of these games and you've got to deal with the PR you've got it's annoying it's a hassle but it is what it is and also what you're saying about dealing with BYU like dealing with you know New Year's six games and things I think there is a lot of misunderstanding that happens about the new year six and how those ha- are selected. So a lot of times, like we hear of it's like, Oh, some years are better than other. Cause there's way more at large bids, which is kind of a half truth because in theory that could be true. Um, but this year, because the PAC 12 and the big 12 are so bad, that's not going to be the case. Right. So the way it works in kind of what people normally think is, like, oh, there's more. Well, it's like, okay, obviously the Rose Bowl is always the Big Ten versus the Pac-12. And then the Sugar Bowl is always the Big 12 versus the SEC. And like, those are the games. Um, and so in the year when those are hosting the semifinals, then there's more at-large things because there's not those contracted bids, which is true and false. But the fact is there's still the top five, like the P5 champions they still get an automatic bid no matter what. So if, you know, Oregon plays USC in the Pac-12 championship game and each of them have one loss and then Oregon wins that game and ends up being ranked 15th, Oregon is still going to a New Year's Six game because the Pac-12 champion is still there. The difference is, is that in years where the Rose Bowl is not, is just a New Year's Six game, if the Pac-12 were to send somebody to this college football playoff, then the number two team would go to um, then the number two team would go to the Rose Bowl. So that's what happened when USC played uh, Penn State a few years ago. Washington went to the playoff that year. And so USC was the second highest ranked team from the Pac-12. And so they went or last year, Clemson went to the playoff. And so Virginia being ranked like number 23 or whatever, went and got boat raced in the orange in the Orange Bowl. So the only difference is because the there is not a contracted bowl available the number two team from all the conferences that make up the cfp invitees in the top four doesn't get a fallback spot so it's like so this year right obviously well 
so this year the big 12 champion is still going to go to a new year's six bowl and the at large just and same with the pac 12 champion they could be ranked 17 and 20 it doesn't matter and that's the same with the g5 champion well so they are at large the same way that the g5 champion is every year meaning you are highest not, ranked g5 champ right it's the highest ranked g5 champ or whatever so it's still it's at large in that it is not assigned to a specific bowl like they don't say oh the cotton bowl is replacing the rose bowl as the pac-12 big 10 matchup you know that's what happened when usc played ohio state where they you know Obviously, that's the historical matchup between conferences, so they try to keep that together and want to do them, but it's still based on just the quality of the matchup and the geography, whatever. And so the um, so the at-large just means that it's going to be scrambled and there's more games that are scrambled, but you're still going to have a Big 12 team and you're still going to have a Pac-12 team and you're still going to have the highest ring G5 champ. So even it's like we could play Cincinnati and they're number six, and they think, oh, if we beat BYU, maybe we slide up into number four. Doesn't matter, right? Like they, you know, if they lose to us, they may drop to number 14, but they're still going to be ranked ahead of Coastal and Marshall and would still be the highest ranked G5 champ. So it doesn't, right? Like it doesn't matter for them unless they're trying to get play their way into the playoff. But for us, that margin is still very thin. And if it ends up to the point where, you know, Cincinnati loses, but they're still win their conference champ. Maybe they lose to Tulsa, but then they still win their conference championship. Then it's like Cincinnati's number 13. uh, Oregon is number 14 and Iowa state wins the big 10 is number 11. Now maybe we need to be ranked number eight to get one of those at large bids because there's still only like three available. And after the four teams um, and then, you know, depending on who goes to the ACC or who's the ACC representative and, then the higher ranked of the, the orange bowl is still contracted with the ACC Notre Dame or, and then the other side is the like higher of the big 10 and the SEC. And I don't know which year it is. Cause those two schools, those leagues switch off as the um, orange bowl opponent. So it's not like that number of like, Oh, just being in the top 12 and you're good. That's not it. It's not even like the top 10 and because the SEC or because the PAC 12 and big 12 are bad this year, it's probably more likely need to be in the top eight or nine. And we're going to find out where we're at with that tomorrow. I'm taking a fleet of us. Say hi, Garrett. You're on the fleet. Uh, we are well, recording an emergency podcast right now uh, to bring everybody the great, the great goods of give them hell, Brigham. So this is a fleet. So if you're listening to this now on the podcast, the fleet means nothing to you, but if you're catching this fleet, we're about to drop this episode in minutes. So you're not going to want to miss it. Dude. I love the fleets. Like more people need to embrace the greatness of the fleet. I know it's just a crappy version of Instagram stories, but it is a better crappy version of Instagram stories. I love it. Well, okay. Let's pause before like fleets or whatever. I don't care. I think just Twitter is better than Instagram. So that's probably why fleets are better. Yes. Let's just acknowledge the fact that for some godforsaken reason, LinkedIn has stories and I cannot under, do not understand why that is necessary for that to happen. They do. I don't think I've ever seen them. Yes, they do. It's ridiculous. Yeah. You have a visitor. Who's out there? Who's out there using LinkedIn stories? I don't know. Probably the people who post ridiculous things that are like half a sentence with a bunch of line breaks in between stories that never <laughs> happen. 
there's an account that's like best of LinkedIn that just posts screenshots of these stupid fake inspirational stories that people post on LinkedIn that are ridiculous. I have to be careful when we talk about LinkedIn uh, because there is a person who I know that's probably as specific as I could get that it's like daily things, man, like a modern Socrates. And it just drives me bonkers. Uh, the other thing, look, <laughs> all of the the craziness that has been the last couple of, of days, I, really the last 24 hours, um, I want to read a tweet from our guy, Dave McCann. <laughs> and it says, there is bigger fish out there for BYU and the baited hook is in the water. Let's see what happens. Damn the torpedoes. <laughs> Is that not anytime I see these like vague tweets, like for all I know, Dave McCann is spot on. Like, I'm not saying he's right or wrong, but anytime I see these kinds of tweets from him, that's the first thing that immediately goes through my mind. Damn the torpedoes. Kenny's coming. And it has a picture of a submarine and it's on its way to Provo only to three days later say the ship is turned back around. I just thought it was sensational then. I don't know who the big fish are. I don't know why all of his all of his references end up being something in the water, but that's where we're at. Dave McCann, I love it. I love you, Dave. I hope you listen to the show. We got to work a little bit on your vague tweets. Like maybe we just need to teach you how to, you know, find the right uh, vague gifts. I don't know. But uh <laughs> I just, I can't help but laugh because I think of damn the torpedoes every time. Yeah, it's, I can't, I mean, I know he works for BYU TV, um, but I mean, lots of people hear lots of things and maybe something is happening, but, and I think there are, I think BYU and even Tom Holmes said as much this morning, they are proactively talking to other programs and talking to games that would be meaningful in terms of the schedule and being things that fit. But as it is, like we played more games than anybody else, right? Like it's not, you know, we don't, we're not desperate for games. There are plenty of options and obviously like P5 teams are kind of, or teams that are in the thick of their conference race don't have as much flexibility. And a lot of them just, I mean, it takes two to tango, right? You got to like want to pick up the phone and it has to work in, you, yes, any time, any team, any time, any place, but that also requires a good faith negotiation by both sides. And that's ultimately what the biggest issue was with the Washington game is the PAC 12 never wants to do anything in good faith with anybody. And that's why they're the laughing stock of the P five conferences. And, you know, they, I mean, really what Tom Homo should have said is, we want to play a game that is against a meaningful opponent from a power four conference. That's what the statement should have been this morning, because that would have been a perfection level troll job of everything and how the PAC 12 has handled itself this season. Yeah, I agree. So the emergency podcast, it's going to be a little shorter. This is like a miniature podcast for you. We've talked about the new York's new year six, trying to dispel some of the, uh, misconceptions that are out there among BYU world. We're still going to record this week uh, because I got a hunch. I got a strong hunch that we're going to know something by Wednesday night. And I also, I feel like in this hashtag give thanks era, we need to allow people to on Thanksgiving day, listen to the show because I know that while we haven't actually seen 
give them hell brigham mentioned in anybody's give thanks posts i know that you guys are thankful for us i feel it in my heart and so we just want to make sure that we have an episode available for you on thanksgiving so we will record this week i'm sure that there's going to be some news changes and we'll have a lot to talk about uh to recap this show Look, I don't blame BYU for doing what they're doing. And I wouldn't write anything off with Washington. Like, I know that they say the deal is dead. I wouldn't write anything off. Because as long as the teams are willing to negotiate in good faith, I think BYU will negotiate anything. I I think that they would play this game if it was a guaranteed game, right? Like, I really do. So I I firmly believe that you shouldn't write anything off. Um, So... We, on top of the, uh, you know, the announcement that it, there is some breaking reported out of the San Diego side of things that the San Diego State game has been moved up to this weekend. There was another report that surfaced. I missed this a couple hours ago that, um, that the uh, Washington also reached out to San Diego State about playing because their game against Fresno State had been answered or canceled. So the um so the game right like how awesome would that be if BYU ends up playing San Diego State this weekend and it was Washington in the Pac-12 reached out to both BYU and San Diego State who both said no we're just going to play each other instead because we don't want to work with you <laughs> it would and be you're funny. the ones that are hard to work with it would be really funny if that happened that way uh anyway great Great emergency show. Uh, This is something that I hope we can do more of as news breaks. I hope we can do more emergency podcasts like this. Uh, Maybe we'll have to do it more than once. Maybe we're going to do it before, before Wednesday. I don't know. Who knows? We'll see. This is a crazy time. COVID is nuts. Scheduling is nuts. It's all just a bunch of like, remember that I'm going to be really annoyed when I hear that scheduling takes years in advance from now on because what we're learning is scheduling happens on the fly and it means nothing the contracts mean nothing we should the ncaa should declare a year of jubilee and (laughs) cut all contracts just be done with them whatever um and this idea calling it a year of ju or season of jubilee i did not come up with that that was stats award when i went to the tcu iowa state game with him we were talking about that and the same thing. It's like, you know, you get, you can schedule like one or two, right? Like, but it's just games cannot be scheduled more than two seasons out. Keep it fresh, right? Like you can schedule a like home and home or maybe three seasons out because like some, you know, P5 teams want to do, uh, you know, a two for one, but it's like no more than three years out. That is the max limit. And it can only be three years out if it's a two for one. And it's like, or just whatever the series is, you can't have any gaps, right? Like it's got to be from now, like BYU Boise state, you can schedule that sign that 12 year scheduling agreement because it's 12 years in a row, right? Like no gaps in seasons. You got it. If you announce it for next year, then it's got to be next year. You can't announce these 2030 crap, right? It's like, you got to announce it. And from the time it's announced until the end of the contract, no skip seasons in between. That's what I want to yep. see. Yeah, I agree. Like let's, let's make it more fun. I also kind of wish that, uh, that, that all conferences would go away so that they could do like a true lottery schedule. And it's like, it's just nuts. And maybe one year the lottery says Alabama has to play Clemson, Notre Dame, USC. And just, they got the, they got the shaft, they got hosed. I think it'd be fun. 
This was fun. We're going to do more emergency podcasts going forward. Until we meet again, folks, give them hell. Give every UW fan hell.